0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the fourth book of the Bible, the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, and if you don't mind to turn with me to chapter number three. The book of Numbers, and in chapter number three. We're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Moses. And as we have been going through it, We've been watching as the people being complaining. We've been watching the people murmur. But now we want to go back and before we hit the next event, we want to hit a running start on a certain family that is described within the book of Numbers so we could add some context to the events that occur later on in the book of Numbers in chapter number 16. But as for now, we're starting in the book of Numbers and chapter Number three, the book of Numbers and chapter number three. And if you don't mind, look with me in the book of Numbers and chapter number three, and notice with me starting at verse number 14. The book of Numbers, chapter number three. So Genesis, Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers in chapter number 3, starting at verse number 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the children of Levi after the house of their fathers by their families. Every male from a month old and upward shall thou number them. And Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. And these are the sons of Levi by their names, Gershom and Kohath. And Merub. And notice if you don't mind as we jump ahead to verse number twenty seven. Verse number twenty seven, Numbers three twenty seven. And Kohath was of the family of the Amorites, and the family of the Izerhites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzalites, and these are the families of the Kohathites. Into the number of all the males of from a month old and upward, were eight thousand and six hundred, keeping the charge of the sanctuary. The families of the son of Koath shall pitch on the side of the tabernacle southward, and the chief of the house was the father of the families of the Koathites, shall be Elizaphan, the son of Uziel. And their charge shall be the ark, and the table, and the candlestick, and the altars, the vessels of the sanctuary, wherein they minister, and the hanging, and all the service thereof. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark the name of the family that we're going to be covering today? We could see them mentioned in verse number 27 at the end, and once again in verse number 30. But notice this, the families of the Kohathites. The families of the Koathites, And with this, we just want to examine the Kohathites. And we want to see some more about this family and what occurred with this family. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you for whom you are. I thank you that you're trustworthy, you're dependable. And I thank you that you're there in our time of need. Lord, I recognize my need of you now, just a weariness and not feeling I have the physical ability, but I'm thankful that it's dependent upon you and not me. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you and ask that you just give me strength, give me your spirit, that you do your own work. Lord, we're going to trust you that you could get this across and help us to respond properly as we study this family of the Bible. And in Jesus' precious name we pray amen. We have here the family of the Kohathites. If you don't mind the first thing I'd like to show you is a history of a people. The history of the people. Now as we've already been exploring we've seen that God had put together the 12 tribes of Israel and that he had brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand. We'd also saw during the time of the golden calf incident that the, Moses said, who was on the Lord's side? And the tribe of Levi joined with Moses. And it was at that time that God had separated the Levites for his service. And then he had taken uh, the tribe of excuse me of Joseph and broke them into two of Manasseh and Ephraim. Now the Levites were no longer counted with the other 12 tribes but they were separate for the Lord and God was going to use them for a special purpose. And now as we come to Numbers chapter 3 we could see this special purpose that we could see the Levites were now separated into two main or three main families Gershon, Koath, and Merah. Now each one of these Levite tribes or (laughs) families within the tribe of Levi, God had separated them out and had tasked them to do a specific thing concerning the tabernacle. Now remember they're out in the wilderness and they're going to have to move the tabernacle which was a temporary dwelling place and move it from one location to another. And because God is an organized God and doesn't want chaos, he organized and said you, this is your job. You, this is your job. You, this is your job. And so he took the three uh, three main families of the tribe of Levi, and he separated them and gave them responsibility concerning the tabernacle. You had Gershon, who was responsible for the tabernacle and its cover. So you had the different covers that laid on top of it as a kind of like a ceiling they were supposed to take them and they wrapped them up in a certain way. They were supposed to take the post and the pillar. And they were supposed to take them in a certain way. You had Merah who was responsible for the court and for the structure of the tabernacle. And so they were tasked with carrying the pillars. They were cast for carrying the court and wrapping up the linens that made up the fences and the take the gates. And so that family was in charge of this. Then you had the Kohathites, who we just got through reading about. The Kohathites were responsible for the actual furniture within the tabernacle. So they were responsible for carrying the golden candlestick. They were responsible for carrying the table of showbread. They were responsible for carrying that golden altar and the brazen laver. They were also responsible for carrying the Ark of the Covenant. What a great privilege that would be that this is the family out of all of the tribes of Israel. There's only one tribe that was chosen to hand care or to take care of the tabernacle. And out of those they had three families. You had one family that was in charge with carrying the covering. You had one that was in charge of carrying the structure then you had one family who was in charge of actually carrying these holy vessels of God that was used for the worship and the ceremony of observing these things that God wanted to teach them. What a great privilege this family had, this Koathite family. Well, as we go on, notice if you don't mind, we see in the book of Numbers, early in the book of Numbers, there's a lot of instruction going on. And a lot of it is concerning the care of the tabernacle. Notice with me in Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4 and dealing with this in uh, Numbers chapter 4 and in verse number 4, Numbers 4 and verse number 4. And this shall be the service of the sons of Koath in the tabernacle of the congregation, about the most holy things. When the camp settleth forth, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil, and cover the Ark of the Covenant with it. And it goes on and gives instructions. And there's quite a few instructions. Notice in verse 15, And when Aaron and his sons had made an end of the covering the sanctuary... And of all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Koath shall come to bear it, but none shall touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Koath and the tabernacle of the congregation. And so what we see between verse four and verse number fifteen are specific instructions. On how to carry the vessels. So as the pillar of God moved away. The, the Levites were to set about taking, um, taking apart the tabernacle. And so this family would do this. And this family would do this. Then when it came to the Kohathites. Not only do you do this. This is how you do it. This is how I want it wrapped. This is how I want it covered. This is how I want it carried. And so we could see that God was not just asking them to do something ah however you want you figure it out he said this is how you do it let me show you how to do it this is the specific instructions and so there were specific instructions of how to do the job that they had notice if you don't mind as we go fast forward to the book of numbers chapter 7 in the book of numbers chapter number 7 we could see once again the instructions for Uh, the carrying and the transport of the tabernacle. In Numbers chapter 7, notice with me in verse 1. And it came to pass that on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle, and had anointed it and sanctified it, and all the instruments thereof, both of the altar and in the vessel thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them, that the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes... And were over them that were numbered, offered. And it talks about the offerings that they gave. And part of the offerings they gave in verse number 6. And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershom, according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen gave them to the sons of Merah, according to their service, under the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest, but unto the sons of Koath he gave none, because the service of the sanctuary belonged unto them that shall bear it on their shoulders. So remember, you have the families, the tribes the tribe of Levi, who was responsible for taking apart, for carrying the tabernacle. You had Gershom, who was responsible for the covering of the tabernacle. You had Merah, who was responsible for the structure of it. And so each of those families, they carried wagons. Well, they had the covering of the tabernacle, and so they gave a certain number of wagons that would be able to haul and transport that. Then you had uh, um, to the Merabites, they were able to get a little bit more wagons because they had to carry the poles and the structures. But to the Koethites, they were given no wagons. Now, there are two ways of looking at this. The first one is the humanistic thing. why don 't I get wagons? They have to get wagons, and they have to carry it, and we don 't know how long we 're going to train. We have to carry it by hand that 's a normal fit and a response, right? Why do they get wagons? But the correct way of looking at this is that God has chosen you. To carry the Ark of the Covenant. You have a privilege that none others have. And sure you don't get a wagon to transport it. But you are specifically tasked to do something special for the Lord. It should be a joy. And not a burden. It should be a blessing. And not a hindrance. But this is what it was. So this family... You have an important job. You get wagons. This family. You have an important job. You get wagons. For this family though. The Kohathites. You have an important job. But you get no wagons. Now again. If someone's not right with the Lord. They're probably not going to respond well to that. Okay. That's how it is. Fine. I got to serve God. I'll do it. But I'm not going to be happy with it. Ever serve God like that? I'll do it. But I'm not happy about it. But. Since it's only technically an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, well, you know, we could do it for a couple days. No problem. Well, that's where the problem starts to go in. In Numbers chapter 14 is what we covered this morning. And if you remember in Numbers chapter 14 that in Numbers 13, God had them send spies into the land. The spies saw all the things of the land, and they came back, and ten of them gave a bad report. Oh, they're giants, and we're small, we're like grasshoppers. There's no way we could take it, we're all going to die. And what happened is that they caused all of Israel to complain and murmur. And so God said, you know, how long will you provoke me? I'm done with this. I've blessed this generation. I've done so much for you. And because you don't want to accept my blessings and depend on me, fine. I'm going to wait till the next generation. You're going to stay in the desert 40 years until the new generation comes up. So think about the Kohathites. That whenever the tabernacle moved, or God moved, they would move the tabernacle. And they had to carry part of the stuff. And they didn't get wagons. They had to carry it. Why do I have to do it? Why don't I get wagons? Why do I have to do it this way? How come I can't do it the way I want to? Okay. But now, not only do you have to do it and do it a certain way. And you don't get any wagons. You have to do it for 40 years. Do you think there were some people that were not right with the Lord that would have a problem with this? absolutely and notice already with the people the response of the people verse number four uh, numbers 14 verse four we covered some of this this morning but look at this and they said one to another the people of Israel let us make a captain and return to Egypt so they said let's get rid of this Moses guy and let's put someone else in charge we're going back okay so there was an issue there notice with me verses nine and ten (laughs) and uh, here we have Caleb who's speaking, only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. So here, not only do they want to dump Moses and put a new leader but you also had a group of people that had also said, when Caleb tried to say, don't blame the preacher, let's do this, let's go for God. And they wanted to kill the person who defended the preacher. Well, that's a problem. And then the sentence came down. Now, all of this is the backdrop. All of this is the history that leads us to the main event. Turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 16. And we could see the second thing here, not only the history of the people, but we could see this horrible event. If you're familiar with this horrible event. It is often called Korah's Rebellion. Let's notice this horrible event. Notice with me in Numbers chapter 16. In verse number 1. Now Korah the son of Izhar. The son of Koath, The son of Levi. So notice this. We could introduce to the main person in this. The main antagonist. Korah. And Korah is a Kohathite he has just been told not only do you have to uh, have the responsibility of carrying it you have to do it this way and you don't get any wagons but you also have to do it for 40 years Korah was one of those people who was not happy and he was not happy at all notice in verse 2 and they rose up Uh, sorry notice with me at the um, 16 where we left off it's talked about Korah. And then Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Elab. And On, the son of Pillah, sons of Reuben. Now notice this. It talks about a different tribe. Here Korah had stirred up some people who were not, didn't even have responsibility dealing with the tabernacle. But here he stirred them up as well. And they took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel... 250 princes of the assembly famous in the congregation men of renown so Korah went and he stirred these people up and now 250 men have a meeting with the preacher preacher we need to have a talk we always know that's bad news so here's Moses They gathered themselves, verse number three, they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves among the congregation of the Lord. Listen here. Who... Who put you in charge? We are God's people just like you are uh, God's people. And God could speak to us. And we could take care of things. Who put you in charge? Well the answer is God. But they didn't like that reason. Why? Because they've been asked to do something and they're throwing a fit. And now because of the consequences of other people. They're going to do it for 40 years. And they don't like this answer. As long as Moses is in charge, we're going to have to do this 40 years. Let's get rid of Moses. We'll do what we want. We don't have to go back to Egypt, but we could still be God's people. We could still do whatever we want. We don't have to obey what the preacher says. We could do it our own way, and it is fine. And the truth is, it is not fine. Verse number four, and when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah, and the Unto his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him (coughs) to come near unto him, even him who hath chosen, he will cause to come near him. He said, Do this, take ye censers, Korah and all of his company, and put fire there, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. So Moses said, all right, fine. We're going to let God settle this. I'm not going to take care of this. God's going to settle this. And by the way, let me tell you this. The Kohathites, you take too much upon you. You're taking responsibility for something that's not your job to do. You have a job. God has given me my job. But we're going to let God settle this. Notice with me in verse 8. And Moses said unto Korah, Here, I pray ye, the sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel had separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation and minister to him. Now he says, don't you realize when he says, Is it a small thing to you? He says what you're doing is a big thing. God has separated you out. And you get to do something for the Lord that no one else gets to do. Why are you blowing this off? Why are you making it? It's no big deal. It is a big deal that you have a responsibility. It is a big deal what God has given you to do. Don't don't make it small. Don't make it a big thing. Don't try to get something else when God has given you a task to do for yourself. But Korah wasn't satisfied with it. Notice in verse 10: And he hath brought thee near to him, and I, brother, and thy sons of Levi with thee. Seek ye the priesthood also? Meaning that you're not satisfied with what God's given you. Now you want to be in charge? Notice in verse 11: For that which both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. Notice this: they're not against the preacher, they're against the Lord. Because it is God that places leadership. It is God that placed Moses in charge. Moses didn't place himself in charge. God did. And so the argument is not against Moses, against the Lord. By the way, what are they upset about? The idea that God said they're going to have to wander for 40 years. But the old age-old thing is that whenever you don't like the message, you have to attack the messenger. And perhaps you could erase the message. But it doesn't work that way. Notice in verse um, 11... For which cause both thou and thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses called to Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, which said, "We will not come up." So basically, Moses is now taking care of things. So he took care of the crowd, the 250 people. Then he had a meeting with Koath. Or, or sorry, he had a meeting with Korah, one of the Koathites, and he said, "You know what are you doing? Why are you raising this up?" Don't you understand? You have a big job to do. Why are you trying to be in charge too? Well, Korah is dealing with this thing. So the preacher now goes, talks to the other people who are also in rebellion. He wants to have a meeting with them. So he calls Datham and he calls Abiram. Hey guys, come here. I want, let's see if we can talk this out. Let's work with this. But you know what their answer is? We will not come up. You know there's always something very much wrong When they won't talk to the preacher. So the preacher's trying to sort things out. Let's see if we can figure this. What can we do? Let me talk to you about this. We're not going to come up. We're not going to go talk to the preacher. No. We don't need to do so. All it is is rebellion. Notice their answer in verse 13. Is it a small thing that thou has brought us up out of a land. That floweth with milk and honey. To kill us in the wilderness. Except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. If you could translate that into American Christianity lingo, you know what they said? You're a dictator! You brought us over just so you could be the boss of it. You're a dictator! It's always amazing when people said that up. I've had people say that to me before in an office. and I just look at them and say, well, I'm a poor dictator. I'm the only dictator no one listens to. You're a dictator. That's their idea. When they don't like what leadership says, they have to say, You're a dictator. You're taking things upon yourself. It's not right that you tell me what to do. I can do. Don't you understand? We're right there at the border. Let's just cross over. Why'd you bring us to this place just to kill us? We're not going to talk to you. That was the message they gave the preacher. You're just a dictator. I don't have to do what you tell me to do. You're not the boss of me okay that's not what we were talking about well, that's fine the issue is not who's the boss over them well it is technically but their problem is with God not with Moses but Moses is the one that gets the blame for it and so now it comes. Verse 14. Moreover thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milky honey. Or given us inheritance of the fields or vineyards. Will thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Meaning that we're not going to listen to you. You're not the boss of us. Verse 15. And Moses was very wroth. By the way. That's a normal response. I'm just doing what God told me to do. And people are getting mad. Because I'm trying to do what God told me to do. It's. It's hard not to take that personally. Notice that he went to the Lord and he said to the Lord, respect not their offering. I have have not taken one ass from them. Neither have I hurt any one of them. Now he's able to say with God, I have a clean conscience. I haven't taken anything from them. I haven't tried to abuse the authority. I haven't done anything to them. I haven't hurt them. I've tried to do everything I could to help them. So God, you take care of it. Verse number 16. And Moses said to Koath, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer and put incense in it, and bring it before the Lord, every man his censer, 250 censers, and thou also, and Aaron, and each one of you his censer. And they took every man his censer. By the way, this is like a little uh, plate uh, that would have incense and fire on it. And so this would allow... uh, (laughs) Uh, Something to burn with it. And um, verse 18. And they took every man his censer and put fire on them. And laid incense therein. And stood in the door of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered up all the congregation against them. Unto the door of the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron saying. Separate yourselves uh, uh, from this congregation. That I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, "O oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will be wroth with the whole, with all the congregation?" And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah and Dathan and Abiram." And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed. And he said unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest they be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents with their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die a common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord made a new thing. So here Moses and the congregation stand outside the the tabernacle, and God shows up and says, uh, uh, Moses... Aaron, get out of the way. I'm going to kill them all. And Moses pleaded for these people. These same people that just rebelled against him. Moses saying, don't kill them. Please don't kill them. And so God said, fine. I won't kill all of them. But let's go to the ringleaders. The ones that stirred up everyone to rebellion. I want you to go tell everyone to get away from their tabernacle. The tabernacle is their tent. So basically the house that they're staying with. With their family and everyone else. And Moses gets by and says... Nathan Byram, come out. You don't want to talk to me earlier. Let me tell you, it's too late now. All right, everyone get away from their house. Everybody kind of took a step back. And Nathan and Byram and his family is looking like, what's going on now? And Moses says, listen, if they die a common death, then I didn't, I didn't do it. or it, I'm not sin of God. But if God does something new that you haven't seen yet, well, then this is of God. So what happens, verse 30, but if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up and all that appertain unto them and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass as he had made an end of the speaking of all these words that the earth clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened up her mouth, and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods. And they that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. Now (laughs) Moses says, all right, God's going to do something, not me, and you watch. And the earth opens up, and it swallows out the tents of Korah of nathan of abiram it opens up and all of their family falls into this pit and then it closes back up now of course there's chaos after that people are scared we're gonna die we're gonna die and they all run away and uh (laughs) lots of things going on and it's a mess now again it wasn't moses's mess it was because people had stirred them against to rebel against the lord and what god was doing now this is a horrible event This is horrible. Awful. It's awful because people decided they were going to rebel against God. And now they got destroyed. You say, this is not an encouraging message. Well, let me show you what is encouraging. We started off with the history of these people. Then we came to this horrible event. But now I want to show you something. There's hope for the home. Now, in this passage here, it said that it swallowed up that their wives and their sons and their little children. But turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 1 Chronicles. The book of 1 Chronicles in chapter number 6. The book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 6. Now, if you are familiar with your Bible, you understand that the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 1 through 9 is a bunch of begats, so so-and-so so-and-so, and so so-and-so begat so and so, and so and so begat so and so. And when you get to the Bible reading of that time, you're probably in the habit of reading your Bible, and you hit this, and you say, Oh, great. And then what happens? Your eyes touch every word to of the page, and you just try to get through these nine chapters as quickly as possible. But remember that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Do you know that there's profit inside of these? And in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 6, what we have here, is a list of the begots. So-and-so begot, so-and-so, and so-and-so begot, so and so and so and begot so and so But if you don't mind, I'd like to show you something amazing. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 6. In the book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 6 is the listing of the tribe of Levi. And so it goes through and begins to talk about Levi and his kids and his kids. And notice with me in verse number 22. 1 Chronicles chapter number 6 and verse 22. The sons of Koath, Amadam and his son, and Korah his son, Asir his son, Elkanah his son, and Asaph his son, and Asir his son. Do you see this? The lineage of Korah goes on. You know what he happened here? He had a grandson that lived through this event. Notice this here, where it talks about Korah, his son, and Aser, his son, and Elkanah, his son. He had a son by the name of Elkanah. Now, could you imagine what it would be like to live through the events and to watch your grandfather, possibly even your father, get swallowed up whole? To watch the earth open it up and to close them beneath. To watch some of your close friends who used to come over to your house get swallowed up. And to understand why they rebelled against God. You know, there was something that happened in the life of that little child that day. As he said, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what? We're going to keep going forward. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to teach my kids. We're not going to rebel against God. We're going to serve God and we're going to keep serving him. You say, well, you get that out of that verse. uh, How do you know that he chose to do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because what you see here is that the lineage goes on. So-and-so his son and -and so-and-so his son and -and so-and-so his son and -and so-and-so his son. Notice if you don't mind as we pick it up in verse number 2. Twenty-eight. Ah, verse 27. And Elkabah his son, and Jehoram his son, and Elkanah his son, and the sons of Samuel. Notice this. Do you know who was a direct descendant of Korah? Samuel the prophet. Samuel the prophet was the descendant of Korah and so what happened is you had a grandson that said listen here my granddaddy rebelled against god and he suffered consequences for it we're not going to do that we're going to decide something different i don't have to follow the same footstep i don't have to follow the same trap and what i'm going to happen is i'm going to teach my kids that they should serve the lord and i'm going to teach them that they should teach their kids to serve the lord and next thing you know you have samuel who by the way Everyone knew he was meant to be a prophet. He was someone that didn't let the single word of God fall to the ground. But that's not all. Notice as it goes on in verse, excuse me, as we continue on, notice with me in verse number 31. And these are they who David said over the service of song in the house of the Lord after the ark had rest. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle. The congregation was singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord into Jerusalem. And then they waited on their office according to their order. And these are they that waited with their children of the sons of the Kohathites, Haman the singer, and the son of Joel, the son of Shamel, and so what happened is that this grandson said, "Listen here, we 're going to serve God, and we 're going to teach our kids that no matter what, we 're going to serve the Lord." And what happened by the time David 's day happened, there was enough of this family of the leftovers of the Koathites, the sons of Korah, that they became the actual choir of Israel during David's day so when David was king you know who the official choir that was singing and who was celebrating as the ark was brought to Jerusalem it was the sons of Korah that was the name of their choir the sons of Korah there is hope for the home oh but guess what it's not done yet Notice with me in verse number 39. As the lineage continues to go on. And his brother Asaph. Who stood on the right hand. Even Asaph the son of Bucharai, The son of Shimei. You know who else was a descendant of Korah? Not only Samuel. But Asaph. Who was used as the choir director. During Solomon's day. Who himself was used to pin several of the Psalms into scripture. There is hope for the home. Oh, but guess what? It's not done yet. The sons of Asaph. Still continue this lineage. No matter what. We're going to serve God. And we're going to praise God. And later on the sons of Asaph became their own choir group. And guess what? When Ezra was returning back from Babylon. To bring the people back into Jerusalem. Guess who came with him? This choir group. The sons of Asaph. Who became the official choir group of the restoration period. What a wonderful thing. Where did this happen? It did not happen because of Korah. It happened because there was a young man who watched the judgment of God that fell upon his family. And said listen this. As for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to teach my family to serve God. Let me tell you there is hope for the home. It doesn't matter how bad of a home you grew up in. You start from where you are and you move forward. It doesn't matter what happened to your parents before you or your grandparents. There are so many people that use it as an excuse. Well, my my grandfather was a bank robber and so I guess I got to steal things too. You don't have to have that as an excuse. You don't have to fall in the trap. You just need to make the decision... I can't do anything about what happened before. I can't do anything about the past. I can't even do anything about my parents or my grandparents. But the one thing I could do is start from where I are, where I'm at now and make a decision to follow the Lord and teach my children they should serve the Lord. There is hope for the home. Interesting enough that the Psalms that are dedicated to the sons of Korah, meaning there's actually songs, Psalms in the Bible that are dedicated for the sons of Korah, the descendants of Korah, to sing as a choir they 're dedicated to show the lineage they have it 's psalm forty two psalm forty nine or forty four through forty nine psalm eighty four psalm eighty five psalm eighty seven psalm eighty eight those are all psalms that are devoted and dedicated for the sons of korah to sing together as a family a choir the psalms written by asaph are Psalm 50 and Psalm 73 through 83. These are all psalms that are dedicated or done by the descendants of Korah. By the way, there's one more thing. God forgave the family of Korah. God forgave the family of Korah. May I show you something interesting? Sometimes we read the Bible and we just kind of don't push things together. But let me show you two more passages that should get you excited. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Now remember, Deuteronomy happens the month before they go into the promised land. Moses, this is Moses' last shot to pray. So may we say approximately 40 years have passed between the rebellion of Korah to the events of Psalm And notice with me, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. And I want you to see something that sometimes you would miss. Notice this in Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and verse number 6. It's going back and giving the history. And it said in verse number 6, and what he, that's God, did to Dathan, And Abiram, the sons of Elib, the son of Reuben, how the earth swallowed her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and their tents, and the substance and all that was in their possession in the midst of all of Israel. Notice this there are two names mentioned, not three. He mentions Dathan and he mentions Abiram. These are the two guys who refused to even see um, the preacher and talk to the preacher. Wow, who's you the boss? We're not going to come see you're a dictator. But notice the name that is not there, Korah. You know why? Because of the decision of Korah's grandson, God forgave the family and he no longer brings that sin back up because it is forgiven. Let me show you another passage. The book of Psalm 106. Psalm 106. In Psalm 106, once again, it is giving the history of what occurred. (laughs) And notice with me, in Psalm 106 and verse number 17. Psalm 106 and verse number 17. What we have here, and the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan... And covered the company of Abiram. But once again. Notice the name that is missing. Korah. Why? Even though Korah was the instigator. Because of the grandson that made a decision. I don't know. I can't help what happened before. But as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to teach my kids how to follow the Lord. That Korah's name is not mentioned here in the scriptures. Because he has been forgiven. And God is not bringing it back up again. What we see here is that there is hope for the home. Hope for the home. You know, with our church, we understand that with a very rare exception of a couple of you, we did not grow up in Christian homes. You may have had parents that made a profession, but most of us did not grow up in a Christian home. And some people say, well, I'm at a disadvantage because I didn't grow up in church. I just can't serve God. Hogwash. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what your parents did before. It doesn't even matter what you've done before. Start from where you are and move forward. You can make a decision to serve God now. You may have a past. Everyone has a past. But you may have a horrible past, full of sin and debauchery. And let me tell you, you make a decision that where you are now, you move forward. There is hope for the home. Just because your parents didn't turn out right doesn't mean you have to follow in the same trap. Just because your family made poor decisions doesn't mean that you have to follow in the same trap. Just because you've made poor decisions doesn't mean that you're stuck there. You can make a decision to follow God. There is hope for the home. That's the message that we find here. We understand that the message of Korah very much screams not to rebel against God and what God is trying to get accomplished. But that's not the message we have for tonight. The message we have for tonight is that there's always hope for the home. Maybe you've been looking at your home and been discouraged. Maybe you spend so much time in the past, it just consumes you. You know, whenever Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. But you make a decision that you are going to move forward. Don't let that past keep you from moving forward. You set it aside and say, I can't do anything about it now. Help me to move forward now. There is hope for